This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Championship Sunday is in the books. Niners are going to play the Chiefs in Las Vegas. I'll be on a flight a week from today going to that, and I can't wait. As a football fan, it's two of the best offensive minds in the history of football, um, two dominant teams that I think we're all excited to dig into. Uh, some housekeeping stuff. Mitch Schwartz will be here on Tuesday to dive into the Chiefs and, and Mahomes and all of the amazing stuff there Start to start sort of chopping wood on the preview stuff. We'll also have um, a player from one of the teams uh, that played the Chiefs this year. Maybe they played them twice. Um, one of the, the key offensive weapons is going to join us on Tuesday, kind of break down what the Spags defense looks like and all that stuff. So really good stuff, really good game. Um, should be a great, like legitimately great week. Because I think the other thing about these teams is because they have so many different wrinkles, like diving into them is going to be almost as fun as the game. I know that's the nerdiest thing I've ever said, but like hearing them talk about different parts of their offense and, and having tough as hell defenses and, and the coordinators and all these guys who are on track to be head coaches, it's, it's going to be fantastic. But today, um, I'll just say narratives emerged. And if I started with the Dan Campbell thing, I'd spend the entire episode on it. So I will not start with the Dan Campbell thing. I can't believe that something happened in the second game that overshadowed the first game because you had for the first time in history, two under 30 MVPs playing each other in a playoff game. Um, you had one player who solidified. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what you'd say. What, what did Patrick Mahomes solidify anything? Like he, we, 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 he is who we thought he was. Lamar has solidified what the next nine months are going to be for him. And, I remember talking to him after the Titans game and the, the playoff game after they lost the one seed. And he was talking about the sting he felt and how he started to use every comment. Every time he would, he, he said it got to the point where every time he would do a tweet or whatever, Instagram post, whatever you want to do, it would just be, and you know, these guys on Twitter, you know, these guys on Instagram, they would just, you know, tweet, you know, Tannehill owns you or whatever. Right. And that was annoying to him, but he used it as motivation. At some point, it's that stops being a fun storyline. You start getting in the Joel Embiid zone where nothing matters except the playoffs. And by the way, the Bills are already there. Um, where if you have an MVP September, October, November, everybody dismisses it. It's very frustrating for an athlete. I saw Joel Embiid say it the other day. After he had a 70-point thing where he said where everybody he was like, it doesn't matter what happens until the playoffs. Like, no, you can celebrate and work towards little goals in the regular season. That's fine. That's, that's what this is. The, the pitfall always is that you have one focus and then you don't realize other holes. If you're a team or a player, you don't if you're just trying to get over one hump, you're you're you might get lost a little bit and never even get to try to climb that hump. Um, because there's a lot of good AFC quarterbacks, and a lot of good AFC teams. I got an amazing question earlier today after the game. And it was, is Mahomes Jordan or LeBron? Now, I think it's Jordan. And I don't want to do this from like a talk radio standpoint. Well, hey, is it Jordan or LeBron? It's what kind of winner is he? And the reason I think he's Jordan is because he's going to shape the careers of all of the rivals he's vanquished. The Josh Allen career arc, the Lamar Jackson career arc, has been defined by their inability 
to get to a Super Bowl and to eclipse Patrick Mahomes. I've said that the AFC title game with Andy Reid and Mahomes is the floor, and then you get there, and then Mahomes, I mean, only only Burrow has had the the opportunity to do it. Brady's obviously done it the, the first year, um, but that's the one sort of uh, final boss every AFC quarterback needs to get through, and it's the same thing for Jordan. You're going to leave guys without ranks. You're going to ruin their careers. You're going to have people in 20 years saying, ah, but only Patrick Mahomes didn't exist. That's Jordan. That's Jordan. People say, you see, Patrick Mahomes is going to be old and gray and 65, and there's going to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks coming up to him and saying, damn, wish you hadn't been born. My life would be a lot easier. Um... He's now 10-1-1 against the spread as a dog, Mahomes. He's the first quarterback in history to start four Super Bowls before turning 30. Um, and that was all great, but this, I mean, they scored, they scored 17 points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back up here. The reason they won this game is because of Steve Spagnola. I got a question from Disney, not the partial funders of the show, the uh the the someone named Disney on Twitter. They said, bigger reason for the Ravens' poor offensive showing, Spags or Todd Munkin? Both. Both, 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 both. But let's focus on Spags because I think he had a bigger impact. He got, without Spags, they don't get in a situation where they're banging their head against the wall. Spags set the tone for the entire game. He blitzed the hell out of him. 41% of um, Lamar Jackson's dropbacks were blitzed. Um, and then against those, Blitzes, he Lamar Jackson completed 41% of his passes. Um, he did not look good. And there's a couple of things from here. Number one, DVOA, little analytic stuff here. 2023 Ravens, 2007 Patriots are two of the five best teams in the history of football. This is via our buddy Rainey. And both of them were held 217 points by Steve Spagnolo. The fact that He's been hired, and because he failed as an NFL coach previously, no one will interview him again or give him another shot. So he's just going to do this for the rest of his career is one of the underrated points literally in all of football. Who's been a better coordinator hire than Steve Spagnuolo this century, since 2000? I'm serious. Give me names. Like, who provided the basis for, just in last year, to build a young talented, aggressive defense who knows exactly when to send a blitz, who knows exactly when to build a game plan um, like this and is no threat to become another head coach and will just stay here. But you cannot tell the story of Patrick Mahomes being this good without telling the story of Steve Spagnuolo. Now, it's it's probably third, fourth, probably fourth behind Travis Kelsey as far as the, the credit pie, but it's in there. And in Patrick Mahomes' Hall of Fame speech, he should thank Steve Spagnuolo. Um, and so I don't think that Todd Munkin is like, Todd Munkin had a bad game on Sunday, like, like a really bad game. And, but it started because Steve Spagnuolo got the game flow in such a negative direction, like awful. Um, couple of things before I want to dive into the Ravens. Number one, we don't, Unless it happens literally in the last play of the game, we do not care about luck. We don't do it. We don't care about luck in our lives. Like there was a great Atlantic piece like eight years ago. I remember reading about how just like 
we just, no one ever says, oh, I, you know what? You know why I have a, if it's no hedge fund manager, because you know why I have $7 billion because of luck? Because this one thing happened and it got set in motion and all that stuff. And like, you know, I think I remember a golfer one time was saying, you know, if, if, you know, basically one, one grain of sand is the determination between winning the masters and, and making millions of dollars and then millions of dollars on top of that in endorsements, buying a private jet and just, you know, being a mule as they call them in golf, you know, six months later, that, that stuff, that stuff's luck. And the Zay Flowers thing um, at the goal line cut the Ravens win probability. It's a fumble at the goal line that it didn't look in real time. It looked like he had gotten it. Obviously, Jarius Sneed pops that out at the goal line. It cut their win probability in half. In half. After the fumble, their play uh, post play win probability was 13 percent. Was 30 percent before that, and it would have been even more if they had scored. Obviously, it would have been a legitimate game. So we're ta- we're having a completely different sc- discussion over the next eight months. If all he, if he just gets what five more inches going in there, um, but they didn't run the ball enough via running backs. And they didn't run, they didn't spread the ball enough around to receivers. And Lamar was standing back there and patting the ball. I hate the two things I liked about Lamar last week were the quick game stuff and how decisive he was being with his runs. The thing I did not like was when he was standing there patting the ball. And and I've never liked that out of Lamar because I think that that becomes unsustainable. Now the greatness, like we see it, we see those moments and those are that him running in the backfield and escaping is uh, important to those heroic moments, but I'd rather him win than than have those sort of viral moments, okay? Um, so this pass to Zay Flowers, 30-yard touchdown, took seven and a half seconds to throw in the backfield. Second longest pass over 30 yards this season by any quarterback. Um, guess, guess who had longer one? Lamar Jackson to Zay Flowers in week four against Cleveland on a 43-yard touchdown. That took 8.3 seconds. Um to me, it just felt like Todd Munkin was trying to design a Lamar masterclass instead of winning this game. Todd Munkin's a very good coordinator. I've loved his plan around Lamar um, this year. I've loved him at Georgia. I've loved his concepts for a long time. I talked to him the first time. I think it was Brandon Whedon's offensive coordinator a decade ago. Um, I think he's great. And I, I got a couple people asking me, they said, Someone said, Andrew, Andrew, great question here from Andrew. He said, if, if Greg Roman were still the OC, what's the final score of the game? Brother, Greg Roman's not playing in the AFC Championship game today if, if he's the OC. Um, that had grown stale. Now, the, the implication there is like he would have run the ball, but the way they've integrated the heavy and light personnel, the way that they've um, spread it around to the receivers over the course of the year, this was Todd Munkin becoming stale for one afternoon. And I did not like that. I, I, I really, it, it just seemed like an inflexible mind. Um, they were going right at the strengths of the Chiefs in a lot of cases. Um, Lamar was forcing the ball, throwing it to Deion Bush right at the end there. That was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, Spags, let's, let's, say, let's say if we're doing, which, if we're doing the, the question, who, who's responsible for today, Spags or Munkin? And that's the only option. I'm going 60% Spags, 40% Munkin. Um, and now we've gotten to a point, and this is the overarching narrative that's going to come out of there, which is nothing we see in the regular season next year 
matters for Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Mahomes is in, you know, speaking of basketball, probably he's probably closer to how we view, just because media change, how we view LeBron. Eh, too early to judge. It's always too early to judge with LeBron. Um, that's the way we have to view Patrick Mahomes from now on. Obviously, Jordan being the better comp year over year, but I'm just saying, like, no one ever says, oh, what's up with LeBron? Eh, he'll be figured out. Um, this was the worst Mahomes era team. They fixed their problems on the fly. Part of the problem is being Kadarius Tony being on the field. He got hurt. Um, they shortened the rotation. Travis Kelsey gets a little uh, healthier, a little better. MVS, huge drops over the course of the season, makes the biggest catch of the year uh, on the backbreaking uh, third down and nine, I think it was, with with uh, to with two minutes ago. Um, and so everything, like today, undid four months of narratives. And I was, th- I've been thinking about this because we've had so many of these weird games. They lost to the Colts a couple of years ago. Um, they've had a bunch of duds. They lost to the Broncos this year. Um, they have duds. That's fine because they're trying to find themselves. And guess what? They always find themselves. Like Kyle Long was saying the other day, the whole thing is just wait until everybody's in the same page. And then the same page is just one throw to Travis Kelsey over and over again on an option route. They don't need much and they always get it. And so that's why it's unfortunate because not only should you read into football, I mean, like, here's the problem, right? It's really hard to know when someone's being Mahomes in a free fall, you know, the, the narrative, oh, is Mahomes broken? Is the Chiefs offense broken? Like, no, they're going to fix it. But then sometimes you see the Jalen Hurts offense and it seems like we should, you know, hey, maybe we should give them the benefit of the doubt. No, the only person who, who, who gets the benefit of the doubt like this is Patrick Mahomes. Nick Sirianni doesn't deserve it. Mahomes doesn't deserve uh, it. Hurts doesn't deserve it. None of these guys deserve it except Patrick Mahomes. Um, He's in rarefied air. I will not believe my eyes. I will not believe the stats until, you know what it is? It's the exact same thing as the Brady and Belichick Patriots. The exact same thing. You're not allowed. You're truly, I'm going to call you a moron. If you, as long as they're not like 0 and 9, if you question anything they do, because it is all for a reason, and it's for January. It's for January 28th at 11.34 p.m. for me to be talking about how nothing matters. Lamar Jackson, opposite situation. As I said, no one is going to care what he does in September and October. And I think sometimes you don't see the forest of the trees when that happens. I love what Joe Buck said on the show last week about how there's a blunt honesty. And that's the way you should attack this. Don't say it doesn't bother you. Um, just say, just, just be honest about how you feel, how you react to this, how you react to disappointment is literally sports. It's literally sports. And I remember when the, um, the Falcons had their, had their, uh, 20 to three collapse. And that was far worse than this, by the way, that was like the worst thing that's ever happened. But I remember they kind of organizationally put on a big show about attacking it and talking about it and getting over it and they did a little media tour. And I was there in training camp. And I remember a couple people were like, man, don't ask these guys about 20 to three. Don't do it. And they had a big show about being over it and they weren't over it at all. And it was like a taboo thing. They couldn't even think about it there. And it proved to me they were never over it. And by the way, they weren't like the whole thing unraveled they never got there and by the way i saw both of these both the losers today the reaction was well they'll be back that's a very dangerous thing to say 
in a league where there's so much talent. Like AFC, everybody talks about the AFC and like the different quarterbacks there. Things move very quickly in football. Like Nick Sirianni was in a Super Bowl last year, and now everybody like it was a bad move to bring him back and have him employed. Like Jalen Hurts got a massive contract last year, and not to bring these, not to harp on these guys, but I'm just saying things move very quickly. What if Jordan Love takes a massive step next year? What if Caleb Williams in year one is what C.J. Stroud was this year? Um, I mean, you know, what if Joe Burrow gets healthy again and T. Higgins on a franchise extension, and all of a sudden, um, franchise tag, and all of a sudden the AFC North is that much harder? What if? Uh, Cleveland figures out what was ailing them in the early part of the season, and they're dominant all year. Like this can, I mean, hell, I saw Arthur Smith interviewing with with the Steelers. It's very dangerous to say everything's going to be fine. Sometimes this was your opportunity, and nobody wants to hear that. But sometimes this was your best opportunity, and Lamar did not play the way he should have. He is at fault for this. I would say, I don't know. Let's let's do blame pie. Let's do blame pie. Um. For the loss in total, the Zay Flowers fumble is massive on a player scale, right? So, and, all right. So let's say I'm going to say Munkin probably gets, and this is only Ravens. Munkin gets gets the the worst blame pie percentage of it. Um, I'm going to say Lamar is second, Zay Flowers third, and I don't know John Harbaugh fourth for. Just general not fixing it. That's it. That's it. Like we'll 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 have a Ravens guest on this week and we'll do it better. But I'm just I'm just assigning blame. That's what we do here. We just randomly assign blame. But um the questions will be fair. Like that's the one thing is like everybody, there's this weird thing now. This happens with Justin Herbert all the time, where people are like, Oh, why doesn't the media blame Justin Herbert? Who's not blaming Justin Herbert for their losses? I'm blaming Justin Herbert. And I can I can say Lamar Jackson. Played really poorly today. Like, that's it. But he's also the MVP, and he's the reason that they were in the AFC Championship game. Um, the, now, the take now is, you, oh, no one blames this guy. Trust me. They're going to blame him for the next eight months. Lamar is going to be have to like give a press conference in like a month talking about how much he's being blamed. Like, that's... I don't know what... I don't know what media you guys are consuming. Um, so, I... The throws from Mahomes, just not to to gloss over that, like Kelsey, the, he's at his best. And I got to tell you, the MVS was a little bit like this, but the Kelsey throw was really like this, the touchdown, the first touchdown. He's at his best when he makes these throws where he just tells guys they're catching it and you don't have a choice in the matter and you're going to fall down. And like the and obviously the, th- the catches in a lot of, especially in the Kelsey's case, he's contorts his body a little bit, but like it's so much such a velocity that's like, it's almost hard for you to drop it. And MVS has tried. Like, it's almost like I'm just going to put this in the perfect placement. I'm going to read the defense. That's something the greats are really good at, and we don't talk about it enough because I think a lot of times quarterbacks don't want that out there. How they're able to read a safety shoulder or know when to throw in a double coverage or intentionally underthrow a pass. I've seen that from, from Mahomes because he knows exactly where the leverage is. The greats are able to do that. And I don't think we talk nearly enough about it because I think a lot of times these guys don't want their secrets out there. Mahomes can do whatever he wants in a football field. And the, the, the heartbreaking thing for me is I thought we were going to get Lamar being able to do whatever he wants in a football field. But what stood between that? Really talented Chiefs defense, Steve Spagnolo, and Lamar himself. Um, so one, one final take on this. Andy Reid has a better shot to finish his career, if he wants to coach that long, as the best coach of all time. Six years younger than Bill Belichick. 
could be about to win his third Super Bowl and not as far off from Shula's record as you think. I'm doing it right now. Looked at it earlier. 258 wins. Belichick has 302, but again, six years younger. Don Shula, 328. By the way, Andy Reid's uh, win percentage is 641. Belichick's is 647. Um, And I think that Andy Reid, first of all, I don't know where the retirement rumors came from. Maybe he just wants to hang it up. Maybe he's just, you know, feeling it after the the strain of a bunch of years. He did tell Patrick Mahomes he was going to stay throughout the entirety of his contract. So let's remember that. So if, if that happens... The over-under should be extremely high because, again, this was the worst, most like whatever you want, whatever this version of inept was like this looked real bad midseason and it didn't matter because nothing matters. And Andy Reid was still able to make the Super Bowl. So the over-under, once they get some of this stuff figured out, is going to be wild for like Super Bowls. You can set it for yourself. Super Bowls remaining on Patrick Mahomes' 10-year deal. I mean, what's the Vegas over-under? High. Because they they might win one in two weeks. But then even after that. Um, so that's... Reed as GOAT coach. That takes coming faster than you think. Because Belichick's not going to get hired this cycle. And it's possible that he does not get win 303 in his career. Let alone 329 to pass down Shula. Um, sad, but... That's just kind of the way it is. By the way, Mike Tomlin, 173 wins. 17 years as a head coach. Lord. And he's only 51 years old. Something to watch there. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words. Caesar's rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app. It's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Um, all right. Time to get this Lions thing. I don't like it. Um, sorry, let me rephrase that. Game was great. Loved it. What I don't like is that we're going to, I'm going to spend most of my time talking about Dan Campbell and fourth down. 
So before this, teams leading uh, by 17 at halftime of the conference championship game, 21 and 0. Largest halftime deficit overcoming the conference championship game is 16. Packers, Seahawks, 2014. Sorry, guys. Ben Solak put this together. I was trying to find it, and then I just went ahead and uh, found it on Ben's Twitter page. That's just how it goes. Um, smart, smart cookie. Um, no, he did the EPA. So it was on. I guess it must have been on Ben Baldwin's website. Um, he did the EPA per play on the biggest swings of the game, and it's always a really good thing to look at sometimes because you just get to figure out what what plays matter the most, and you can find it a bunch of places on the internet. Um, but he found it and he, he, he put it on Twitter. Um, so expected points lost for Detroit. Biggest play was the Gibbs fumble, obviously. Uh, second biggest play was the Ayuk reception off the face mask. Incredibly bleak for Lions fans. Reynolds fourth down drop was minus 3.2. Incomplete to St. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown on fourth and three was minus 2.6. So even if you know that the Lions are going to have, um, are not going to convert on fourth down. It's still not as big a swing as the two other plays. Those were the actual backbreakers. The fourth down is so funny to me because everybody, and like Paul, first of all, this is not an analytics thing. Dan Campbell told me and he told other people, I'm sure, that the reason he goes from fourth down is not because he went to Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. It's because Sean Payton went for it on fourth down when he was an assistant, and he should see how scared the defense was. And he said, I want to do that. And it's, it's a, as old school football thing as you can get. And Michael Badgley, really bad from that distance. 77%, 40, 40 to 49 yards. That was, that's their kicker. Um, it was not automatic to that they would have tied the game there. My feeling on it is going back to analytics. Paul DePodest had a great quote years ago at a, some some conference. I don't know, but I saw it. He runs the Browns now, where he said the number one thing you don't want in an owner is saying you want analytics and then being like a child on a roller coaster and you get you you beg to get on the roller coaster. And then you get to the top of the little peak and you're about to have that drop and you say, I want to get off. If you're making decisions based on a football philosophy forged through years of experience, understanding what defensive tendencies, all this stuff, if you're going to be aggressive, the time to stop being aggressive is not when it gets scary. If you're going to change your philosophy because it gets scary, you're going to lose games. Oh, and I'm not talking about the NFC Championship game. I'm talking about four games in a row in October. You're not going to get to the NFC Championship game. Dan Campbell has built, had one of the best builds, and I was thinking about this today, had one of the best three-year builds in history um, by any head coach. McVay is in that. Belichick's obviously in that. Kyle Shanahan's in that when you consider how early in his tenure he got to a Super Bowl. But it's a short list. But then you imagine that it's the freaking Detroit Lions who had never had success in any era like this. Um, in the Super Bowl era, obviously. Um, it's He's a miracle worker. And he understood, like Sean Payton, like onside kick in the Super Bowl, going for the fourth down. Like everyone, people are like, oh, what about Drew Brees? Yeah, he had Drew Brees, but like he also knew how to build an offense. And 
I, Dan Campbell is Ben Johnson and they were, they, they trust their players. And people said to me, okay, well, you know, the offense hasn't scored, hasn't done well all second half. Well, yeah, that's why you do it because the 49ers were a well-oiled machine and they kept scoring every time they touched the ball. That felt like that against a worn down defense that by the way, wasn't very good to begin with. You play to win the game. And everybody kept saying, oh, everybody's where, oh, well, what about you? You're situational. Go ahead and get to take the points, get the win. No, you're li- Dan Campbell was the only person trying to win the game. Everybody else wanted him to tie and then hope that, what, the Niners weren't going to score again? And then they did the butterfly effect thing and said, oh, well, uh, they only lost by three points. So obviously, if they kicked the field goal there, it would have been fine. That's not how life works. That's not how football works. That's not how anything that's ever happened works. Everything changes everything else. There's a kickoff after a field goal. Everything changes. So don't don't play the the what-if game on that. Here's what momentum is. I I was going to go crazy yesterday saying the momentum of the game. The momentum of the game, and I I guess guess Nick Bosa said something about this, but like, I don't, the the, the fourth down, the first fourth down was a, was a big momentum change or whatever. Momentum is Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is correct. But momentum is Nick Bosa generating seven pressures and two sacks on 42 pass rushers. Nick Bosa averaging a 2.27 time to pressure, second time to pressure. So snap, 2.2 in there. Nick Bosa's in somebody's face on average. Um, and... He was not, Penny Sewell had him in his pocket, not a single pressure on 18 one-on-one matchups, but Bosa did it anyway. He was there when he wasn't matched up there. Um, Brock Purdy scrambling, Brock Purdy making plays when he needed to do it. That's momentum. Line play is momentum. That's all it is. And I mean, obviously there's a little bit of that, but they stayed true to who they were. The Lions stayed true to who they were. The third and 12 run in the first half under two minutes, they got them the first down. Um, I just don't think that getting conservative at this point is how you build a football culture. And I, again, going back to the battery stats, it wasn't automatic. It, everybody's acting like it was an automatic three points. Like we're playing Madden or something. That's not how this works. You play to score touchdowns in order to beat the San Francisco 49ers. You played to score touchdowns. That's what they tried to do. Now, the original sin of this is not going for a touchdown at the end of the first half. I hated that. But I understand the time on the clock, whatever, not being able to pin, that's part of it is not being able to pin them deep if you do fail. Um, I hated that. So don't think I'm absolving Dan Campbell from blame on that one. Um, I hated that decision. I would still hate that decision. But the fourth down calls, it's the, and also people was like, oh, it's the play calls. It was just, I don't think it was play calls. I think you had open guys. Um, so I don't think, and typically, listen, I hate, like I've, I've joked about this before, but like, it just feels like every coordinator has a binder that says worst plays that they bring out on huge fourth downs. And then they put it away when, when it's first and second down. But I don't think that was the problem here. The problem here was bad luck on a couple of high leverage downs. But Campbell can't change who he is. Like, that's it. That's how you got here. And I think the people who are so confident that he cost them the game, um, 
I don't think that they know a lot about what was going on in Detroit the last three years and what the philosophy there is. And I think there's people there who think he's a meathead. Um, I'm not going to launch into a defensive Dan Campbell. I don't, Dan Campbell's going to, he just said he didn't regret it after the game. He's going to sleep poorly, whether I defend him or not, does not matter. Um, but what I will say is I was surprised at the level of people who said he's legitimately is a terrible coach. I'm talking about like, media members saying that this is this is all on Campbell. They could have won if not for Campbell. Uh I completely disagree with that. You are who you are. And I know I people were comparing him to uh Roy and Tin Cup, kind of just hitting the ball into the water over and over and over again. Yeah. But that's also sticking to your identity and understanding what it is. And I understand the idea of I don't know what people were saying to me. I actually don't understand it. Like situational football, context, all of this stuff. You win with touchdowns. You want to go to overtime? You want to go to overtime against San Francisco 49ers um, who have more weapons than you, who have, I mean, I can say safely a better offensive coach because Kyle Shanahan is a top two offensive coach in this league. Even if Ben Johnson is three, which maybe you can make that case. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's better. Um, home field, all of the stuff. You play to win the game. You play to score touchdowns. Um, we're we're gonna have we're gonna have eight months of this, and we're gonna he's gonna talk have to talk about it all the time. And I just think that um, I just think football identity is a very important thing, and and I think that he he showed his, and I uh, I don't think he's gonna regret it ever. All right, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, to start previewing the game. I'm really, I'm really excited about this game. Um, I, I would have been happy with any of these four matchups, but this is this is offensive football at its finest. Um, thank you to Miles and Flynn. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday, probably an episode later in the week as well. Uh, remember to give us a five-star review. Support everybody. Support Mitch Schwartz. Support Matt Castle. Support everybody Seth Walter even though Niner fans are mad at him for calling uh Debo Samuel the fourth option on the Niners um this has been this is football see you soon